As we come to this time of scripture, David's going to spend a few moments to, uh, to just talk a little bit about the scripture. I'm going to put my art stuff away while you do that, if that's okay. Introducing the scripture, if you will. When you're doing that Seahawk thing, Brad, I was reminded of a YouTube video a friend of mine sent me on Super Bowl Sunday and Father Tim. Have anybody seen that Father Tim one? Mm-hmm. Father Tim is Lutheran. And he gets up and he says, it's real important as Lutherans that we confess our sins. So do you all confess your sin? And everybody said, yes. I'm not going to make you do it because we're Methodists and we don't. (laughs) Right? And then Father said, you know what, for Lutherans, having this meal is really important down here, this juice is bread. So there's bread and juice on the table for you when you want it later because it's important to have that meal. And so uh, it's important to you say, I do. And so everybody says, I do. He says, okay, go in peace. And off he goes to the game. (laughs) He had like this 30-second worship service. Why are you raising this now, you know? Why are we doing this? I know. I know. All right. Let me get, let me get to the real business. One, uh, I retired as a pastor July 1st, and this is my first uh, opportunity to preach and worship since then. I preached uh, once at an old folks' home up to the end of Avondale, uh, south end of Avondale Road, but I'm not sure that counted because the poor people there didn't look all that alert, <laughs> and I don't think it was their fault. So I'm, I'm grateful for that and the chance to serve communion. I thank Brad, who's a, who's a good friend. Did he whine to you in the announcements about, did you do the three-year academy whining thing? No, I haven't yet. Ah, uh, okay. Well, then, never mind. <laughs> Ask yeah. me later about how he can whine and what good it did him. So It's all true. I got to pick the scripture, and I picked uh, out of my favorite gospel mark. It also happens to be the lectionary uh, for this year. Um, and I like Mark because Mark is pithy. That's P-I-T-H-Y, pithy. Mark is short. He gets right to the heart of things. He just, it just doesn't waste time. He doesn't waste words. His, his Greek is really pretty nasty Greek in, in that it's not well written. Uh, but it's all there. It's all there. It's all just right there. And discipleship is his huge theme, theme and discipleship is mine. Um, So today, I want to inspire you to discipleship. Uh, St. Clair of Assisi, who was a contemporary of uh, Francis of Assisi, and I think uh, maybe even better and stronger uh, than he was in many ways, but she established the the, the uh, Franciscan order for women at the same time he was doing the order. St. Clair said this, and this is on my little prayer altar at home, and I read it every morning to remind myself, it is Jesus you want to see, to gaze upon, to think about deeply, and with desire to imitate. So desire to imitate, well, what are we imitating? And the scripture today is a day in the life of Jesus, Mark's version. This is from the first chapter of Mark. As soon as they left the synagogue, They entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. 
and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Holy wisdom, holy word. So a summary of Jesus' day would go something like this. Early in the morning, Jesus gets up, he prays, uh, then he goes around and he heals people, and he teaches the good news of God's presence. So Jesus prays, heals, and teaches. just struck me when you're reading that, that uh, when he heals a woman in the morning, mm-hmm. or during the, later in the day, she gets up and serves. Right. So the healing has a purpose, right? The healing has a purpose. Um, but just remember that, praying, healing, teaching. Now I'm back up a little bit in the scripture. A few verses earlier, Mark 1, 16 to 20, Jesus calls his first disciples. To Simon and his brother Andrew, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And then to James, uh, son of Zebedee, his brother John, he says the same thing. Now what Jesus is asking is, uh, follow me. He's not saying, you know, walk behind me. Um, I think of the old uh, Marx Brothers routine, right? Where they walk this way and they walk that way. And there's a whole series of those on YouTube. If you do a Google search, or maybe you're not a Googler, maybe you use Bing, <laughs> being in Microsoft land. Um, just on YouTube, do, do a YouTube search for Walk This Way. And there's a great, great little YouTube piece on that. means imitate. The, the, the way Jesus says it, the word he uses, what he's asking is these four fisher folks to imitate him, to come and learn to live and love the way he lives and loves. Johanna, my daughter, taught me that phrase, to live and love like Jesus. He's saying, I want, to, I want you to be my students. I want you to learn from me how to love God this way, how to love each other this way, how to love yourself this way. Come, follow me, learn from me, and become me. Uh, for the world. Mark says that then immediately, it's one of Mark's favorite words, uthus, immediately. Uh, if you're reading Mark, look for that word. Immediately they follow, they drop everything, they, you know, they give up the family business, they give up their boats, their nets, everything, immediately. And they just walk off with him. Now, my immediate reaction to this call to imitate Jesus is not immediate dropping of everything and going off and doing something different. I'm a slow committer. And I have a little voice in the back of my head that says, oh, you can't be like Jesus. And Jesus, no, you can't do that. That's, that's Jesus. You're David. You, you can't be like that. I went to your website, because I don't know Aldersgate all that well, um, just to see who, who you are and what you're about. And there's a banner on your homepage 
um, that says what I guess is your purpose statement, a grace-filled, Christ-following community. Now, by that definition of following, you are saying that you're full of grace, which is full of love, and that you're following Jesus. Now, really? Can you do that? Can you be that kind of people? Can you, can you do that? So I wonder, does it, do you, do I, are we really supposed to be in prayer like Jesus? Are we supposed to be healing like Jesus? That's the one that really causes me to stumble. I mean, I can teach. I can say a whole lot of things. It's the living and loving like that I have trouble with. I can, I'm really good at telling other people what they ought to know and do. So how's it going with you being a grace-filled, Christ-following community? My guess is it's no easier for you than it is for me to even conceive of what that might mean or what that looks like. And it was true for that first church. Mark is well aware how difficult it is to be a disciple of Jesus. First of all, there aren't, I mean, there's only four people at this point. Right? I mean, it's not a hugely populated area. Galilee, a little farming community off in the back of nowhere. Capernaum, which is where he's, Jesus' hometown is at the time, is on the north end of the Sea of Galilee. And he's just up there talking to some fisher guys and says, follow me and imitate me and be like me. And, you know, it's got to go through your head. Wow, there's only four of us. We're going to change the world? Four of us? Do you know that uh, on an average Sunday morning, Aldersgate is point zero 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 one. So that you're at, it says in the uh, conference journal that your average attendance is 191. Makes you actually a little less, but I round it up to point zero zero. That's one in ten thousand. Really? You think you can do anything, little old you, Aldersgate? Secondly, Mark is well aware, and you'll see this if you kind of read the gospel, that the first disciples obviously faced the violent power and privilege of the privileged culture of Rome. And so they're countercultural, because to be in and be like everybody else, you want to be like the Romans. You want, to, you want to have this kind of Greek thing. I mean, your language becomes Greek. If you want to do commerce, you have to do Greek. If you want to do business, you have to have some Roman authority sign your, your business permit. So they're up against that Roman culture in which the emperor is the son of God. The emperor is the Messiah, the Christ, the one who saves. It is Pax Roma that brings peace. It is a Roman army by its strength and violence which governs. And they're against all of that. But they're also against their own church. Remember, it's the, it's the Jesus church. And the church of Jesus, the authorities in that church that persecute and hunt down Jesus, killing him, turning him over to be killed by Rome because they can't do it themselves, so they get the Romans to do it for them. So Jesus is against his own church. You think, those four guys? Turns out in Mark's gospel, you'll discover it's a few women who are actually the main support of the church, if you read your gospel closely. Think these few people can do anything? I mean, they're not only against the culture, they're against their own religious institution. 
Well, that's not so unlike me and you at Aldersgate. I mean, there are ways that we challenge the United Methodist Church where we think our denomination is not yet perfect. I know that comes as hard news. But if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we have to push against even our own institution. Any hope of that? Finally, more than any other gospel, the disciples in Mark are pretty flawed human specimens. I mean, Mark loves to point out how stupid Peter is. Read your gospel. How recalcitrant he is. I mean, the, the famous scene is that Jesus says, I must die and go to Jerusalem and be tortured and humiliated and crucified and on the third day be raised. And Peter says, oh, no, don't let that happen. Which part, the die or the be raised, I always wondered. I mean, all Peter can see is the persecution, right? Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. And Jesus says to Peter, the one Jesus called, the one Jesus will later say, you're the rock, Peter, Petros, you're the rock on which the church is going to be built. Get behind me, Satan. We're flawed human beings. They're flawed human beings. Now, I suggest that maybe I, at least I know I am, maybe you, might be flawed too, just as they were prone to envy and egotism and anger and fear and denial, betrayal, failure, all that kind of stuff that we're so good at. Still, it is these two human vessels that Jesus calls to be his disciples. Through these flawed vessels, few in number, up against culture and institution, flawed upon which the salvation of the world comes. Now, as I said, my immediate response to Jesus' call to follow is somewhat different than those first four disciples. Who, me? I can't do that. I'm not like Jesus. Don't don't look to me. Maybe if there were more folks, right, around me that were brave and Jesus-like, I could be more Jesus-like too. Maybe if the culture was a little more supportive, was willing to stand up and die for the beggar, die for the sinner, die for their own enemy, enemy, willing to be self-sacrificing. Maybe if my culture or my religious institution had that kind of courage, I could be brave too, and I could, I could be more like Jesus. But the smallness of our numbers and the culture and institutions we have to push on are not the real problem, are they? I'm the real problem. It's about my failure to follow, to be like Jesus. I'm reminded of the opening ritual in a standard Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Meetings usually open with a moment of meditation, to, and the, the, the leader of the meeting, uh, what we call the secretary, And the meeting says, let's take a moment to remember why we're here. And so we all get quiet. Well, we know the answer. We're drunks. I mean, we're here because we're drunks and we need help. So I invite you to remember why you're here. Now, alcohol or drugs may not be your choice for failure. It might be 
Well, you name your own. I won't name it for you. Then someone who's been asked reads how it works. And a part of reading how it works is for the, we have these cards that are around the table and you have your card and my card might be step one. And so I read step one and then somebody reads step two and step three and all the way through the 12 steps. So remember how it works. Right after the reading of the 12 steps is this line that the secretary says. Many of us exclaimed, what an order. I cannot go through with it. Say, that's my reaction to being a disciple. Me? Like Jesus? I can't do that. AA reading goes on, continues. Do not be discouraged. It's like whoever wrote this knows what's going on in my head. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We're not saints. And then this really, really important line for all of us, for the world. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. We are willing to grow along spiritual lines. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. See, that's the point of discipleship. It's a willingness to grow, to be, to live and love more and more often like Jesus. Disciples aren't the perfect Jesus people. They're just the people that says, say, okay, I'm willing to grow. I'm willing to grow. Being a disciple of Jesus is not being a perfect imitator of Jesus. Even if I'm not perfect in imitating Jesus, I can grow along spiritual lines, no matter where I start. I can grow in my love of God and in my love of neighbor as self. It's true that I and we are not always like Jesus in all his loving power and perfection, but it's also true that I and you are sometimes like Jesus, and this is something I want to prove to you. Because before you say in your head, not me, I can't be like Jesus, I want to remind you, or maybe awaken within you, I hope not this for the first time, the truth. You already are like Jesus. You've already done it. Before the first sentence of my sermon, before the first prayer, before the hymn, before the announcements, before you ever got dressed to come here, you have imitated, you have been like, you have lived and loved like Jesus. Now, you're Methodist, so there's at least one person out there ready to argue with me. So I have a little simple test for you to prove I'm right. See, because I'm Methodist too. (laughs) You ever fed someone that was hungry? Could have been a spouse, a child, a stranger. You ever fed someone who was hungry? You ever donated clothing or food so that the naked could be clothed, the hungry could be fed? Don't lie to me because I see it out there already in the lobby. You ever visited someone sick? Sent them a card? 
phone someone who was down that you just felt needed to hear someone say, I love you, I care about you? Have you ever worked or advocated on behalf of the oppressed or the marginalized? Have you ever contributed by deed or finance to some work of justice? Have you ever supported the work of defending God's creatures and creation? Now, if you can answer yes to any of the above, and if someone in here says they can't answer yes to any of the above, I'm going to call you a liar, but that's just a parenthetical remark. If you can say yes to any of the above, then you have imitated Jesus. And you have been God's instrument of healing and teaching. You are already spiritual in the way of Jesus. That's a given. I mean, biblically, one of, the, one of my favorite parts about the Bible is that Genesis 1.20, whatever it is, have, I've lost it here, 1.27. First thing, when God's making different stuff in that first creation story, comes to making humans. And God made humans in the likeness of God. God made them male and female. God made them. In God's image. You're made in the image of God. That's how you were created. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 is my other piece of favorite scripture about this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves knows God, dwells with God. Whoever does not love does not know God. For who can finish it with me? God is love. Thirteen times in those two verses, agape in some form is used. Servant love. God's compassionate, forgiving, healing. Servant love. That's who God is. And that's who you are made in the image of. That's who you are. You can't help yourself but imitate Christ. That's your most natural thing to do. Now, the truth is, at least for me, I don't always do that. I think the word is sin. Sin for me, again, uh, you know, I have to go to the Greek. Hamartia is the word. Literally, it means an archer shooting at a target and missing the target. It's missing the mark. It's failing to do what you wanted to do. Sin is my failure to love and live like Jesus because that's really what I want to do. And the truth is there's a gap between what we're made to be and how we sometimes live who we are. We are made to be like Jesus. We miss the mark. We fail. To be a disciple means to recognize that we don't have to always fail, that we can get better. There's a way to approach um, faith, which is called therapeutic salvation, which means our faith is a healing pattern, is a getting better pattern. Folks who are, I see some folks who are in the first worship service will recognize this is not exactly the same sermon, even though I have four pages of well-typed <laughs> words here. Um, 
comes out of conversations, some conversations I had in between uh, services. See, as Methodists, we think we're made in the image of God and that we're loved, that we fail, we sin, we fail to live up to that love, and that there's help from God for us to do it. You're the help for each other. Yeah, it's lonely. Yeah, you're one out of 10,000 here, but there's I don't know how many in the room now, 100 of you. You're all supporting each other. You took Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, you could have used it as an excuse. And what a lame excuse not to come to church. I just got to say. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about salvation and becoming more loving and living like Jesus and the healing of the world and people who are sick and need this love from each other and need to be supported and cared for this love, need the Holy Communion to strengthen them, their lives so that they can be God's presence and a football game. And the football game's not even until 3.30. <laughs> That's lame. Really lame. <laughs> I almost bought it. <laughs> There's help in the Holy Spirit as it lives in you. You can get better. You can do it. You can, you're like Jesus, and you can be more like Jesus. You can live and love more like Jesus. You're doing it as a community by coming together to worship, to pray. Remember Jesus' day? Pray, he'll teach. It's what you're doing right now. Your presence together is a prayer. Your presence together is a healing moment for you But because we're all one with the world and all of creation, it is a healing of the creation that you gather and sing and pray. No matter how good the sermon is or how bad the sermon is, that doesn't really matter. You're here. You said, yes, I want to be a disciple. I want to follow. I want to grow to live and love more like Jesus. And that's healing for you the world and you teach you teach this faith that part of preparing to be here was to go back and look at the website but to listen to old sermons and you get some really really good teaching here I'm looking at what classes you have offering and the uh, Brad's class coming up and and, uh, you had some really good subs these people are spoiled I hope you can live up to your subs (laughs) Standards. <laughs> You're being Jesus in the world. I listened to, uh, at the first service, I got to hear the announcements in the whole thing. What is it, Andrews Glen? And what you're doing there for vets, for the wounded, for the demon-possessed? I mean, that's the modern-day equivalent, right? Is the, are folks who have these mental demons... Um, That's Christ in the world. The food you've gathered out here uh, as a part of, what do they call it, Blue Sunday? Something, whatever that food gathering is for Super Bowl. United in, United in Blue. You're doing that. I also saw around the corner you're gathering food for the food bank. It's a normal part of who you are. Look in your, uh, look in your bulletin there. You are being Christ to the world. Now, some days I have a bad day, and thank God I belong to a community that can still be Christ of the world when I'm being Peter and Satan. And some days 
I might be Christ when you're having a bad day. Together, we're the living body of Christ. One of the things I miss most about um, being a pastor, I mean, there's a lot of things I don't miss. Committees, for one. (laughs) Budgets. Year-end reports. i got to tell you, when the, because I'm still on the conference email list, and it comes out, your email, your year-end report forms are now available, and I thought, I, uh, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Suck it up, you folks who still have to work. I uh, miss communion. Whatever church I served, uh, we did communion weekly, at least at one of the services. And I really miss weekly communion. The church I'm now attending does it the first Sunday of the month, which is what I take as tradition here as well. So you can change that. But I, you know, I'm leaving town, so don't pay any attention to me. I'll go back north someplace and bother somebody else. But to have communion every week was an important part uh, and for Wesley, if you could get it every day, for John Wesley and Charles, if you could get it every day. See, I know empirically that uh, in time and space we're here. I'm, you know, I got the, the proper meds to understand that I'm in time and space here. But spiritually, when we have communion, we're with Jesus. Does that make sense? We're not here, here alone. We're here and there together with Jesus. When we take communion, we are in that room with those men and women and children at that meal before he dies. See, empirically I know that's just bread. Somebody made it. I mean, it's pretty a miracle in itself to be bread and juice. That's that's pretty darn amazing. But it's you, know, you could pick it up in the store. Probably did. But spiritually, that's the bread that Jesus takes and says, this is my body, and knowing full well that he's going to be betrayed by those, that small number of people hanging in there with him, that he's going to be betrayed by his church, that he's going to be betrayed by the government sworn to give him peace. He forgives them all and gives them his body. Spiritually, that's just bread and juice. Spiritually, That really is Christ's body, which becomes my, literally becomes my body. And by this meal, together, in communion and community, we are made the body, the living body of Christ, empirically and spiritually. So I'm grateful to be here. I want you to never doubt that you are made in the image of God, that you already are like Jesus, so get over it. Never doubt that 
by what did I hear in one of the sermons? Faith, faith, love, health, and service. service. You participate with the Holy Spirit and you grow. And never doubt that by these disciplines, you'll become more and more like Jesus over a life. Never doubt that you can live and love more often and more often and in surprising ways that will surprise even you. Love like Jesus. So pray, heal, and teach. It's what you're made to do and be. Shalom. Amen.